This week's podcast is a little bit of history for me. Tyrone Brant's in the house and he's somebody that I first met in sport that was making a real difference. And back in those days, mate, you were playing in um, garments and jerseys and uh, you were rugby specialist at the time. And uh, it's really nice to get you to come in and we can chat some sport. You're looking forward to that? Mate, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I think I said to Ash before I came in, two old dogs doing our thing. Been doing it for a long time and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Mate, let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And today, T-Bone's in the house. He's, he, I remember one day in the early days, Tyrone Brandt is, I first met you back when you were Cougar. Cougar, yep. yeah. You guys were sponsoring everything in sport at the time. Like You were one of the most aggressive brands in Australian sport at the time. And uh, we had a lot of crossover of teams back then and sponsorships. And outside of you guys and us, there wasn't a lot of people in sport in Australia doing it. was more internationals coming in and doing things. And When, when we first started, it was uh, really when we got to Australia, it was just Canterbury. Mm, that's right. Canterbury, yeah, Canterbury had everything. And I guess we saw an opportunity, saw there was a monopoly and uh, and thought we'd get into the market and uh, and things just started taking off. And as you rightfully said, you guys are doing the same at the same time. So we just kept bumping into each other. Yeah. And uh, you seem to tolerate me. So we got along quite well from there. No, mate, I always, uh, I always appreciated catching up with you because it was always good to get a real clear update on what was happening in the industry. I mean, we, we could sit back and be pretty honest with each other on what was happening and where spot was at. And we were both underdogs too. You know, we, we, we sort of started with, I know you, you had a, your family came in and worked a little bit. I, I, I had myself and Nathan were doing our thing and, but we weren't those big, you know, we were little guys batting in a big field really back then and it was also a field that had no rules wasn't like there was like today if you're going to sport it's pretty you you meet with some commercial guys and they're pretty much telling you what you're doing wrong and what you need to do in the next five minutes and how much that's going to cost you to do yep and you know those days of that loyalty and that trust in sport that like we we did have that back then we there was a fair bit of loyalty back in the early days you know some of our sponsorships are pretty long but yeah look it was it was the wild west back then it was was, uh you know i think what you said there is it's really underrated you know Mm -hmm. you guys we we started in the garage you guys started in the garage exactly, yeah. and I think that's probably where we saw strength in each other is yeah. that we weren't a global conglomerate we literally started with rubbing two cents together and bootstrapped our way to to growing brands the way that we did uh, you guys revolutionized sports nutrition as far as I'm concerned in Australia uh, certainly team sport nutrition I'd like to think that we did uh, something quite similar to disrupt the market here in Australia with the, within the apparel service space there yeah. and I, I still remember the days when I went, I went to your factory one day and there's this big ugly machine in the corner and you were still making the material to make the jerseys on the Gold Coast. Yeah, I, I don't know if that big ugly machine was my brother or the actual <laughs> machine. Well, he's uh, a big ugly weapon, that look, thing. But he's been sponsoring him for a long time. But uh, yeah, but we, we, were, we were making on the Gold Coast. Uh, to be honest, we probably would never have moved out of Australia. It wasn't because of, uh, it wasn't a monetary thing. It was actually talent. Uh, to find people that could sew garments together was just impossible. So we actually ran out of labor before we, uh, before we had to move overseas. Um, so it was, wasn't, certainly wasn't money. And I know you guys are still manufacturing here, which is just wonderful, you know? It's not profitable, but it's wonderful. it's a great story though oh mate you just like you just look at these brands that are killing it worldwide now and you know that they can buy a set of stuff for 12 bucks 15 bucks out of now we don't even buy our material for that but you know it's it's what you want to do and who you want to be in life and and i just remember back in those days when i I remember saying to you mate um there's these compression garments and and you said oh you're talking about skin 
questions, aren't you, mate? And I went, yeah, he goes, I said, there's all this science, but there's actually a lot of science and there's a lot of theories, not sports science, but science behind them. And I remember you looking me in the face and going, you do not want to get into garment manufacturing, Greg. In fact, I wish I could make nutrition. Yep. <laughs> mate, I... Uh God, we when we when we started at the time there was uh, there was six manufacturers, uh, Canterbury being the biggest by, by far. Uh, you know, there's a couple of brands that classic and Seacom were on, and all great brands, a lo- lot of history, uh, and some really good guys leading it. We we did a SWOT analysis probably three years ago, and there's 362 brands wow. in, in apparel, and, and everyone asked me my advice about getting into the industry. When it comes to apparel, I say, don't do it. Mm. Just don't do it. You're not making t-shirts. It's it's a lot harder than you think. And yeah, I think a lot of guys think that because you get into apparel, you are going to get into the field with the boys or be part of the actual the action. It's not. It's a business, and you know you got it, it's a tough business and it's a tough industry to get into. You can trust me on that one. And mate, it is a tough industry because your sales are really based on team performance, aren't they? Like there are hundred. If teams are winning, people buy jerseys. Right. If teams aren't winning, and there's not that many teams that you know, there's one winner in each category of what you play in each year isn't there it's a it's a tough gig license apparel is that the right way to put it yeah license yep. apparel mm. it, it is in australia it is especially yeah. um australia loves winners they not fond of losers uh we hold uh winners in very high esteem and you know you win a championship you're gonna sell a lot of stuff you don't you still got to pay sponsored do- dollars so you know we've had years where we just had some awful teams that have just gone pretty poorly and you still got to you still got to stump it up and occasionally you have a team that that goes well and wins something and uh yeah you got to make uh you got to make it work when they when they win and then of course it comes when they do win it comes with all the bonuses and speed to get to market and everything else that comes with it so you look at the balance sheet at the end of the day and you go oof it's not easy you know looks a bit looks a bit ugly after your team has won but uh yeah look you still you still got to love what you do i think that's probably the most important thing it's it's, it's not about making money if you didn't if you didn't enjoy what you're doing why the hell would you be doing it and you know man, I look back on, you know, over the time, your different premises that I visited over time. And there's one thing when you walk through the door, you knew you were in sport. Every every place that you guys have ever had, it was sitting on the walls, it was on the tables. And, and that's one of the things I'm, we pride here at Body Science. And when you walk in here, we hope you feel what we do every day. And, and there's not many people I can look across the table and go, you know, you inspired me and that's place to stay in that place. Because y- y- you walk in somewhere and you go, there's that jersey, the history behind that jersey, the people's names on the front of that jersey. Yep. And the story that you, you used to be able to see from that jersey in use and you just go you know like and i still get that warm feeling when i see our garment like our compression pants on a football yep. field geez when did we first make them back in 2003 or something yep. to some early days 2004 or something probably didn't commercialize them for a couple of years after that but had teams using them and all that i still get excited when i see that as, like, you, as you should mate it's mm. uh you know it's reciprocal you know it feels like we uh feels like we're on a first date and i'm talking about each other but <laughs> you know when you come into body science you guys always had you got that same feeling you felt you part of it this is this is not this is organic this is not something that's made up and you you've brought in external guys and said right make us feel like sport you've lived it you, you breathe it and, and you can feel it from your staff as well it's one of the things that, i actually hate the word staff by the way i don't know why i use it it's you can feel it from your team if, yeah. if unless they're invested in it you're just not going to deliver an authentic experience and you know we've had some terrific staff and or terrific team members and we've had some shit staff over the years and mate, you, you don't know what you're going to get until you it and all you can try to is put your best foot forward and when you guys have knocked it out of the park and uh we're as i said I, i'm immensely proud of a lot of the people that i've worked with over the years and uh yeah they've got to be part of the team to build it and mate how, let's let's dig into building your, your business you so you're the eldest yep. of the kids yep yeah and you you grab that ceo role ceo role pretty quickly yeah look we's uh, we, we 
I left uh, I left South Africa pretty young. Did I was born in Zimbabwean. Um, did boarding school in South Africa. Uh, lived in lived in the States for a while. Did the London thing. Um, and then we came across. Big you smile know, on his face when he said that. Everyone just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I was with the same. Uh, I was with the same girl the whole way through. So yeah. we, the smiles for probably just putting on too much weight when you're in London. <laughs> but you know, we, when when we got here, we just looked for something new to do and I uh, we started a, a company called World Rugby Network at the time which was really putting players CVs online and their videos online because the internet was still pretty young in, in 98, 99 and you know looking back on it now this dumbass uh Instead of thinking about it as using it for recruitment for jobs, I did it for rugby players as a moron, <laughs> uh, and it uh, it slowly built up from there. And the, the parallel offering came, and and, and it grew, I, I guess, from there. But uh, you know, I had I worked with my old man when we started, and uh, you don't get a better teacher, I don't think, than. It was hard too, just quietly. It was. Yeah. Well, it still is. Mate, <laughs> seriously, when's the last time you spoke to him? I haven't um, spoken to him for a while, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're lucky. I spoke to him for a walk, didn't you? I'm sure arseholes at the end of a text message. But um, look, we he's old school. And yeah. uh, I remember we had our first apparel contract in Japan. We had to go over for, and uh, I was 20. And my woman said, yep, you're going across to do the deal. And uh, I said, look, it's Japan. They respect gray hair, and I don't have any gray hair. I might look like I'm 40 at, at that age, but uh, he said, I don't care, away you go. So I ended up having to go to Kyushu Electric, it was, and they still got a professional rugby team actually. Lost my luggage, so I ended up turning up to a boardroom because we used Austrade um, to go in there and they thought it was Australian government. So I fronted up to a Japanese boardroom full of executives in a, in a government company in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and uh, to try to sell them Kugo apparel. Um, so I got the deal, which was good. I had him for a few years, and then I bullshitted my way through that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I think I think because because Dad came from the old school, he was he just he said qualified by experience. I tried to. I didn't go to university. Yeah. Uh, I left South Africa between that time, and I wanted to go to university. And uh, he said, no, you'll get a QBE, uh, qualified by experience, and you'll learn the hard way. But there was no silver spoons made. It was as you know from those days. Get behind the machines, oh, working no, weekends, yeah, yeah. weekend, you know, sweep floors. Yeah, you had to earn your stripes there, and uh, it's something. That yeah, I, I respected and rightfully or wrongfully probably get my kids through the same same sort of way. Helps yeah, man, I love that, that way too. And there's a lot of reverse engineering of um, success after that. Like you guys started pushing back out through the world during that period as well when you um, jumped on. Yeah, we uh, look. We always, I guess, we, we I've always seen the world as an opportunity. Uh, I still do. You know, I, I don't like just having borders around. And the more you travel, the more you realize it's just there is just opportunity out there. Not not just in apparel, just in everything. And more and more, it's about the people you know. I do have a tendency to. To, uh, to be quite black and white with things. Guys that I do like, I like. They have yeah. long-term relationships. Uh, guys that I don't, I tend to burn the bridge pretty hard. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Which, which can be polarizing, but mate, I only... I know I sleep at night and uh, those that I want to be associated with and I'll make sure I am and those that I don't, well, that, I don't need to keep that bridge in place. You know, I don't, I don't, I won't use people. I won't use it if it can, if it can benefit me financially or personally, if I don't like them, simple yeah. as that. So I think uh, that's probably why you and I have got along for so long is that you, you're pretty similar. Like I know who you like and who you don't like yeah. and you talked about right in the beginning of it, loyalty and sport. I think in those days, um, yeah, there was some loyalty. You knew who the guys were. You knew them personally. You knew their families. Uh, mate, I think that's a, a crock of shit these days. Uh, any any time a sporting organisation makes an announcement that says "Welcome to the family," you can you can pretty much <laughs> highlight that as absolute crock of shit. Um, 
there's no such thing as welcome to the family when it comes to to um, sponsorships and sports. It doesn't mean there's not good people. Uh, there's some certainly no, it's some, the, some it's wonderful, people, wonderful people. Yeah. But it's a business. It's, yeah. it's, it's a commercial transaction at the end of the day. And if someone turns around and offers them an extra 50 grand, 100 grand, they're going to take it. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're not, none of them are flush with money, but I think uh, that loyalty, that loyalty thing is important to me uh, personally and professionally. Oh, it's always been uh, when Nathan and I sit, like lo- loyalty is everything, you know, if somebody wants to um, take the money, go for it. You know yep. what I mean? Like, it's just how you do that. You know, it's that classic, are we having a chat about this or am I going to find out from someone else? Yeah. Well, look, I've, I'll find out through errant emails. I'll find out through uh, secondary. I know that I've informed you once before that, uh, hey, buddy, I'm making these jerseys and uh, it's not your brand on it. I know you're the sponsor. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. It's just have difficult conversations, mate. It's it, just rip the bandit off. You have to have it. Uh, and it's much better just sitting in front of, of a guy and giving him the bad news. He can think of whatever he wants of you. At least you've told the truth and you can sleep at night. Yeah. Um, but it's finding out the those, uh, through the back, through the back doors that no one likes. Yeah, and, and that's the stuff that pisses me off. And you know, a lot of people come to me and ask me, you know, should I invest in sport? Is it where? And I'm the first to say, if you've got your KPIs and what you want to get out of sport, go and yep. do it. You know, like it, it's probably one of the greatest avenues that you can work with to push forward. But if you think you're going to do a sponsorship with a team and ten years later you guys are going to celebrate how good it is, that's not going to happen. No, mate, you you, you bang on. Being so clear up front is is vital. Uh, and it's you know, it, it's things that you would take for granted that would be easy to give that actually starts ruining relationships. Relationships. So everything that you can possibly think of that you want in the beginning of a sporting relationship, that's what you have to have in writing. And then just hold them accountable. Be friends, but it's got to be transactional. And it's time limited. If you do a three-year deal, enjoy the three-year deal. Yeah. If you want to renew, renew. But and, and that's why it's really hard for people to understand that because they all think of we all think of sport back to when we were playing, you know, under 16s, footy as a team together, and they think of that team culture. And it's not. It's you know, sporting teams need to make money. I've had this chat with quite a few people recently. They yep. they 100% Australian sport is underfunded you know it needs funds and i'm the first put my hand up and go i'm not that solution do you know what i mean like we're not you know we, no. we deal with so many sports yep we can't go in and and deal with like south and be the, the, the jersey sponsor or whatever because where we are in our dna and who we believe in and our ethics and our values and all that it's not about money you know it's about participation purpose and getting p- giving people that performance lifestyle they're looking for yep. and that doesn't happen in you know, the front of one jersey no, you're right, mate. Sport is, it is underfunded, but at the end of the day, there's what, 24, 25 million people in a sport-loving nation. Mm. Everyone plays sport. Australia, we find out uh, quite early that there's pride in holding onto the jersey as long as possible, like the replica jersey. So you, you go to a Wallaby game and we sponsored the Wallabies and you turn up and they're wearing the jersey from you know, 1988. Fire Jones was playing with Adidas three stripes and everyone's excited about it, showing the pride in it. Uh, the rest of the world's completely different. They buy the new jersey as it's launched yeah. and the new European jersey. And I see Nike just launched their city jerseys for the NBA. You know, they, they, There's more bloody jerseys these days than I've ever seen before. For, but everyone buys it just shows pride in the team where it's the reverse in Australia it's, it's holding on to that jersey for, for lengths of time that, that, that does hurt and um, you know athletes these days they look they look internationally whether it's in rugby union league football whatever you want to call it they are looking at guys are getting overseas so how they're spending their money what they're getting paid for endorsements and whether you like it or not they expect that sort of same number even though there's not the the population to support it here in australia so it's uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky play and i don't think we have a solution but as you rightfully said you're not the solution and i certainly wasn't the solution oh, i'm the first put my hand up and go we're not your solution like yep. that's we love sport we're, we're here for the players if we can do something that's a, you know about um those team dynamics yep we're 100 percent invested in we'll, we'll go 110 yep you always have but yeah, it's a. Uh, but you, you guys did revolutionise uh, compression. <laughs> I uh, I think that's the only time. I don't think we disagreed on it. 
because we never got into compression from a Cougar or, or BLK perspective. But I do remember, you know, we were we were limited to the size of our, our logos on our on our garments because uh, <laughs> God bless the uh, the merchandising people. It's got to be X centimeters by X centimeters, and those rulers came out and you had to remake and all that bullshit that went along with it. And lo and behold, Body Science comes up with a compression with full length down the leg, Body Science down the arms, down everything How else. How awesome are those days? Oh, they were awesome. Yeah. That for you guys. Yeah, uh, I had some awkward conversations of seriously, uh, and I think at the time. You used to ring me up and say, I'm going to report you to so-and-so because you, fuck you, oh, pardon me for swearing, <laughs> fuck you, Greg, but like seriously, I just paid millions of dollars for that team and, and I would just piss myself laughing, but that's the relationship we had. Of and, course, mate. And, you know, they would go, hey, Tyrone's told me about this. I said, yeah, he just told me half an hour ago. I thought it was funny. Hey, like he's- <laughs> I always phone you first, him, mate. Yeah, I'm sending him pictures and you weren't having a go. You were just never. like, yeah, you know, never, protecting never. your asset. I, I get that. And those days- <laughs> We, we were we were really um, we didn't care back then. Like they just didn't know how to handle compression. They were like, "What is this stuff?" Well, mate, skins had made a bit of an impact in the early days on that, and um, because they ran their campaign, I think, is we don't pay athletes, and we all know they ran contracts and did the things they did because we we all could see those things at the time. Does sound it good, sort man. of fell under that? Oh well, you know, there's no money in the compression, so yeah, you know, we're sort of getting them. Just be quiet, and and then I'm. I'm chatting with you. I, I even used to send you pictures. Look what I'm look what I'm sending out. Yeah, you did. So you so, yeah, like yep. I yeah. remember that very very clearly. Getting those text messages. At, uh, and your dad is saying, uh, "Get him in. We can have a chat." Yep. <laughs> correct. Yeah. You asshole. Uh, and we did. We we pulled him back at one stage. We because it was a little aggressive. We couldn't see the whole word. We were losing half the word because of your shorts. But well, look, I think in in a way, <laughs> I think in a way, probably you and I are to blame for for certain sponsorships and uh, the price going up and some certain things. So uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. There's some fun things happen. Mate, you, you back in the days when you did the Wallaby deal, that was one of the biggest sponsorships in sport, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. In fact, I think it was the biggest at the time. The biggest one. And and did so we've dealt with the Wallabies a lot. And I, I love the brand. Yep. You know, it's it's going through its rebrand and the things it needs to do right now and rugby needs to do what it does. And that's I'm not an expert in the area, so I'm not gonna go on about that. Back in those days, they were probably the premier sporting team in Australia when it came to um worldwide brand. You don't you yep. think a lot of Australian sports is not a cricket? Yeah, Wallaby. look. At the time, um, they'd come off such an unprecedented period of success, you know, off the back of, of those Eels and Horan and Household the rest names. of days. I mean, yeah. they were, they were. And Australians wore the Wallaby jersey as the, the national pride. You actually look at the cricket games and they're wearing the Wallaby jerseys in the stadium. So it was, for us, something that was extraordinary to get. I'm still immensely grateful for that opportunity. Um, yeah, we the brand does go down in history as as being a, a manufacturer of the Wallaby jersey. Um, I think anytime you do any national team, as you know, it, it it is it is something to be proud of. And you know, the guys when they get their kit making a national team, that's who you're thinking of. Yeah, you know, it's the players. It's yeah. it's not just the brand. It's the players that they get to represent their team, and they're, they're wearing you know your your name on their back. And it yeah it was yeah, it was was it was a pride time for the company for sure. And yeah, where, where I was um heading with that was i remember you telling me that you you were going to sponsor the wallabies and and i said oh mate that's a that's a big one that you know like wow type stuff but then i remember you said to me and it's one of the things that changed attack for me in body science today you said greg we're not about the players here it's about the corporates and people that we can talk to to grow our brand outside sport and i had i just had sport blinkers back on in those days you know sport 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 and i remember sitting back going yeah and and it's been a driver for me ever since is that that whole strategy that you had and you had this amazing i remember you shared your um blueprint with me on where you want to go 
and it was you were revolutionising what was happening. You were, and, and it led to you know you do, you getting esports teams that had outfits and and, and your corporates at this, and I, I'd go places, and your brand was everywhere at one stage. I just remember that, although that Wallabies, I don't think they won a game for three years or something. It was one of those lucky ones. Yeah, yeah we, so, we got a bit unlucky. Yeah, that uh, was during that period. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of winning. Yeah. You got to win forty games to sell jerseys, yep. but. I just remember it launched you into a whole lot of new business that probably when you first started, you never thought you'd land in. Yeah, we, we when we looked at the Wallaby deal, it was never about how many jerseys we are going to sell. Mm-hmm. If I was getting myself into trouble, but probably some of the, the numbers that we were told that they sold uh, weren't accurate. I think there's uh, some creative uh, accountancy done on some zeros there. But the strategy wasn't about just the Wallabies. It was, as you rightfully said, it was it was very much about the data that comes with that, the eyeballs that come with that, who who we can speak to in different countries and how we can grow this brand off the back of the Wallabies. And that, that had to be part of the strategy because if you think in this game, you're going to sponsor a team and make money from selling their replica kit. You're a moron. If you don't know that anymore, to anyone that's listening to this as in sports apparel, you are a moron. If you think that's how it's going to happen, it means that nicely. Stop, stop, stop doing it right now. Go get a job doing something else because you are a moron. So stop doing it. Doesn't work. Um, you need to have a much wider strategy and how you can execute this. Yeah, and and I just maybe you're talking to me about the corporate system, the corporate, and you introduced me to a lot of people back at that stage too. And I just had no idea what to do with it at the time. I just was going, I need to get my shit together, Greg. Like seriously, you, you've got some really good opportunities here, and you don't even know how to talk to these people. You introduced me to corporates about health and wellness programs. And I'm like, oh, geez, we don't actually do one in my head. We should probably think about doing one. And I was like this little kid in deer's lights. And that, and, I, and that's why I always, when I tell people about, you know, the relationship with you, it, it's got a lot of history outside of what we put on sporting fields. You know, yeah, it's, um, mate, it really does. And look, I think you've been over gracious. Uh, this is probably the first time I'm learning you didn't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was introducing you, I was like, mate, this is a subject matter expert. I'm the dumbass that just got this introduction. So listening to you say this, no, I'm thinking, Oh Jesus! Who've I, who've I got you into bed with? No there? idea. In the car, ringing people, going, "We need to do this, this, and this." I don't know why we're doing it, but let's just go and do it. It sounds like a really good idea. And oh man, it, for me, like success it was so fun back then. Oh, but like success, you just want you just want good people to win. Simple mm. as that. You know, we we got on. Uh, there's there's heaps of others I can mention that have got on. I I, I just want to see them winning. Because what's the point of winning alone? Is it? The, that's never been of interest to me, you know. And it's not about the money. Like it's, I got it. When I, you know, probably in my twenties, I used to hear people say that, and it's not about the money. And I used to think, yeah, you're yeah, full of it, idiot. Mate. <laughs> it's about, it's about the money. Like, what, what car am I going to drive, and what are you going to do, yeah. and all, blah blah blah. But you kind of get, in, you know, into your thirties, and and the company start maturing a little bit more, and you start realizing that there's probably a bigger purpose that you're trying to do, and it's the money can take care of itself, or it doesn't take care of itself. Sometimes, you know, you have your wins and losses in life, but um, you actually start looking for, without being too clear, share the whys and. The, you know, what are we doing this Absolutely. for? Absolutely, yep. that, that does become far more important, and uh, I guess it's the reason we're sitting here today is because of those long-term relationships and, and the whys, right? Yeah. Well, mate, speaking of that, you, you've um you've left the world of sports apparel, but you've got your foot in with a whole lot of people. You, you obviously you've got a lot of um IP in that head of yours, and that mighty good beard that you're growing. Yep. Is that a, is that a Movember thing or is that a mate? That's a just hard the triple chin thing. Yeah, it's it's a good beard though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit insignificant. Again. My, my favorite. Again, did you know how I said again then? So. Look, my favorite thing used to be when uh, people said, mate, you should shave that beard off. I showed them a picture of what it looked like without it and they said, hey, keep it. Keep it. Keep looks it. Good. Keep it. Looks, looks great. Looks <laughs> great. You could definitely pour a beer or make a coffee anywhere around this uh, northern New South Wales Gold Coast area. I do fit in down here. I yeah. just need the right uh, fedora and I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
Hey team, it's Greg from Body Science here. The Hydroxy Burn Shred is back on shelf. It's our new therapeutic, has all the taste. And if you're looking for a better thermogenic, we've really pushed for the pursuit of a better thermogenic. Full disclosure on the labeling. What do we mean? Caffeine levels have changed. We all know the rules have changed. The ingredients have changed. The claims have changed. We have a clean label with premium quality ingredients for you. So what does that mean for you? You can look at things like metabolism, energy, sugar metabolism, fat metabolism, cognitive function, thyroid, and just general health and well-being. And it's all on the label. If you're taking a fat burner now and it doesn't say it on the label, have a look at it and go, why? Get on board. So, mate, what are you doing for yourself now? I, I see you got some New Balance shoes on. Yeah, mate, look, we... Um I was working with uh, with the School Locker. Uh, it's a subsidiary of Harvey Norman. They wanted to, I guess, launch a, a premium sports brand. I wanted to on a global level, and we managed to get something together with the guys from New Balance and and launch into Team Sport, which I think is is the right play. I spend a lot of time in the states, as you know, and mm-hmm. in, in a lot of the, the universities across there. And there's a reason that Adidas and and Nikes and New Balance and all the rest of them are spending so much money in those universities because the cradle to grave strategy. So we, uh, I think, if you're going to get into to apparel, you should be looking at schools. You at universities uh, and certainly need that that footwear side of things and you know new balance is a it's an understated brand it's got a certain coolness about it it's got a nice sort of retro feel a lot yep. of people sort of my age um your age still think it's what dad wears to to mow the lawn there's actually this whole man new- i would rock those shoes you got on right now right. like seriously I'm- if they're my size i'd say can i have them yeah but you see i turn up to a university campus and they think i'm legit yeah. with these shoes on you know <laughs> and uh but when i first bought it uh you did feel like dad with the lawnmower but um yeah, we just wanted to to get that up and going, which we did, uh, and it's and it's going terrifically well. And the guys are, are are flying, and I think the strategy is in place for them just to get stronger and stronger. For sure, nice. And mate, New Balance itself is that that's that's still a privately owned company, isn't it? Sure is, mate. I think that was one of the biggest attractions. It's still. I mean, it's a six billion US dollar company that's privately owned, which is wow. very, very rare these days. Yeah, absolutely, uh, especially in this category, sport. It's tough categories, you know. There's been some highs and lows when you read the. Uh, there's no shortage of books and what's happened over there in the in the shoe industry. It's um, it's and it's great to see a uh, privately owned brand still yeah. doing what it does. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's actually been a lot of books that have just been released. I mean, you, you would have read Shoe Dog and. Yeah. Reebok just released the the, the the original founder of Reebok released his, and I just read the Van story the other day. And mate, the one thing that's that's quite phenomenal about all these stories is is that sliding door moment that yeah somebody hadn't quickly done a photocopy behind the door to get the bank's approval or yep. you know the rubber company gone this way. These companies are gone. Are globally iconic companies are gone off the face of the earth and. Um, yeah, the sliding door moments, it's it's quite incredible. Yeah, mate, we were talking about that downstairs, like when Essendon, um, the Essendon supplement scandal, like we were Essendon's official supplement sponsor. Yep. And um, do you think someone would say that body science was okay and um, they don't do injectables? Like seriously, we, we went through a world of hell when that came out in sport. That's probably one of the closest times that Nathan and I have gone to the doors are gone, like the doors are locked up. Yep. It's all over. And hey. um, it was, yeah, it was it was devastating. And that's that was probably a guy that started a sports nutrition brand, sort of had a bit of fun then it started to be successful and he was still having a bit of fun and got a little bit more successful and he was still having a bit of fun. That was the real moment in my life where I had to actually pull my pants up and go, I need to think about what I'm doing now and where we're at and look at strategy and, and yep. things. And Because I remember sitting in the corner rocking going, fucking hell, like seriously. Yep. Do you think they were calling us? They weren't calling us. Like They weren't even talking to each other. The last thing they were going to worry about was us. And at the time, you know, we we been in sport for when did that happen was that 2008 or something i don't know I can't yeah, remember. Right about there. we've been in sport for ages yep and it had just been a dream run yep you know and and i'm sitting there going shit i've got some big calls to make in my life right now and 
and Nathan was an awesome business partner back then. We sat down and you know had that sliding door moment you talk about, and yep. yeah, never looked back. Like it's been unbelievable, changed the way we do things, and it's probably made. That's I grew up that day. That well, was that was my day. Well, mate, that's that's exactly it, right? It's uh, we won't talk about it with the podcast. Some <laughs> of the things that you did, um, but certainly had you not, I guess, taken some pretty harsh steps uh, and made some pretty tough calls, but in the honest way that you always did. Uh, you wouldn't be here today. Mm, exactly, that would have been the end of it. Yeah, you know. But you, you did. You, you managed to get through that, and yeah, body science has gone from strength to strength from there. And um, it's a tribute to you guys as a team, not just you as a person. You know, mm. we would be okay. Perspective. You know, we we had that sliding door moment. Uh, Arsenal did the other way. Uh, no matter, I can sit here and give every excuse in the world. At the end of the day, I was CEO and director, and I couldn't get us out of uh, a situation that occurred in Fiji. That um, cyclone hit us, cost us eight million bucks. It is what it is. But mate, I, I didn't take the necessary steps to ensure that we were protected and had alternate solutions uh, for a disaster. Um, and yeah, that was our sliding door moment, and it, it whacks you. So you know, when I think you were one of the first people I spoke to um, after all went down and I, what, what we went through, and I uh, came in here and we just we sat down in your boardroom and, and just had a bit of a chinwag about shit and yeah. laugh and and what does you know, what does it all entail in terms of success in those sliding door moments? And it, mate, as much as you as much strategies you put in place, as much structure as you put in place, it, there's things that can go wrong, and it's it's what you do at those moments that uh, I think define you. Uh, and you know, some things not going to go your way, but it's, it's how you dust yourself off and and, and keep moving forward and hopefully put your head in a pillow at night and sleep easy. And mate, it was a real, if you ask me, that was, and you, you copped a fair bit of shit over that too, actually. There was a lot of people that were very mouthy about you personally around that. And I, I didn't get it. Like it was, you look at, you took your manufacturing to Fiji, not China. You went yep. to Fiji. Fiji's, for those people that don't know, it is classified as a third world manufacturer in, in what it does. You went over there, you built infrastructure, you basically in Fiji, when you, when you work with the Fijian area, you basically feed that core part of the country yep you, you did all these really think the things that i thought wow like you could have gone to china probably made it cheap you probably were getting stuff in the past from china but you, you you've you've gone over there and done this and then mother nature says no we're going to do this and i really i felt because your name was in the media obviously we we, we get a lot of sporting media updates yep. and i just thought what well, I, I didn't get what was going on like I, I i totally and i remember you came down and you had a chat to me about it and because i think i reached out and said what's going on here mate? Yeah. like you are getting hammered over something that happened from a natural disaster yeah look it it uh, you just got to wear those things, you know. It, um, I know when you wear the director's hat, people need to get that that doesn't just come with the yeah. glory of putting it on your Instagram profile. Like it's got a real reason to do it. But yeah, look, I, I, you got to earn it. It's it's as simple as that, you know. The when, when we built it, uh, I, I can tell you, my folks were still involved, and they were in that factory. And anyone that worked with us at the time, they would tell you they were first ones in those doors at five a.m. and they would they would leave at midnight. It was ridiculous setting up those factories. I'm, I'm talking about for months. They actually yeah. lived in Fiji while we were setting it up. No one would have worked harder to get that thing set up. We employed 400 people. And when that when the cyclone hit, wow. um, it was a larger cyclone in in Fiji history at the time. Our, our actual main aim, uh, Kim and Melinda, as my folks, got uh, medevaced, airlifted out of Fiji to Australia. And our whole focus was keeping um, people in houses. Because there's 400 of our of our Absolutely. team across there yep. that they got no money as it currently stands. So it was how do we how do we ensure that they are in houses or in hospitals and everything that's required? And you know we 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 gave our backup generators to the government to use for power stations and all that sort of thing. So you, you know you thought you're doing the right thing at the time, but um, yeah, when it turned, it turned, and there was a, a healthy dose of of tall poppy syndrome. Um, I don't I'm not on social media. Uh, you know I have an Instagram account to make sure my kids behave themselves, um, <laughs> but there's no post from me. Uh, LinkedIn I've, I've got an account, but uh, you, you find out 
really, really quickly um, who your friends are uh, and and who's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, it, again, this is it's not about making it about me at all. You know, you have to warn. I've, and I've, I've paid for it. There's there's no two ways. So once you paid your dues, you can actually then speak, I think. And I paid my dues. And uh, I can honestly tell you that when shit goes down, you watch the rat jump off the ship. Yeah. Uh, and what is always going to stand up and, and, and cop it. It, it is what it is. It's not my, not my nature not to. But yeah, there was some uh, there was some interesting times. The I guess what I keep coming back to when there's some of those things as you said been saying in, in, in the um, in the media was anyone that says anything that uh, has got my phone number or it's got my email address and it's not saying it to my face, I really couldn't give a shit about. Yeah. Uh, like if you know me and you got my number and you got something to say and you're not phoning me, you're saying it to the media, you're saying it to somebody else. That's a reflection on them, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I know who I am. I know what we did right. I know what we did wrong. We I know that we employed during that period, you know, over 1,300 people um, across the globe in 15 different countries. We're doing some cool things, we're paying millions in taxes. All that sort of stuff was happening. They don't know that. That's and really, I couldn't care about the opinion. Yeah, mate. Strong words too. People should listen to that because it's um it's that close knit that you can trust that matters. Correct. You know, and jump into a topic like you're, you're probably the most ungifted of the kids. Like you've you've got a brother. <laughs> I got to throw You got a brother who dominated in the strongman world, and you've got a sister that was high five. Yeah, so that is normally would be an insult. Yeah, um, I'm assuming we're not talking about intelligence. No. Uh, well, maybe. I was still not talk about Greg yet, but he's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got the looks. Yeah, well, he got the good guy as well, right? So anyone that's everyone that meets uh, my brother Greg just sees the good one. Uh, but yeah, my brother Warwick, who's a body science athlete for well ever, rarely, and I still think he tries to get body science products every single time. He I does. Yeah, he reaches media. out every now and then. I, I send him on. I don't know what the girls do, but mate, I, every time I see a post, he's promoting you guys. So it looks like he's still a sponsored athlete. But he, um, yeah, he was the strongest man in Australia for well over a decade. He was third in the world. He was on the Metrics World Series, and uh, and that's after breaking his neck after being uh, playing professional rugby in England at 18 years old. So the guy was just a just a freak. Uh, my old man was a swimmer in the Olympics, went to Munich Olympics. Uh, my sister was in high five. She was an I'm a celebrity. My brother-in-law is Barry Hall. Um, and then young Gregory's the good-looking good dude, um, and I just ended up with all the shit genes. So and and Kim's attitude on top of that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, didn't I love it. Yeah, just it's been a rough been a rough few cards dealt in the old genetic side. Yeah, well, that's life, mate. You got to you, you know you got to put the CEO after your name, so you know all the joy of that that came <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a, that was a privilege <laughs> and an honor. So, mate, what do you where are you at in life now? Where's the world taking you in the last couple of years since you've? Um, left that part of your life well may look that that's probably um you know the other than than catching up with my old mate and and yeah i said talking a bit of shit and reminiscing the uh probably life hand got dealt got dealt i got dealt a really shit hand uh my family got dealt a really shit hand uh i met my wife sandra when um I mean, with yeah, kids, thirteen and fourteen, we were two. I was at the boys' high school; she was at the girls' high school. And again, cliche, but really was love at first sight. I can tell you exactly where I was standing outside Kings Park Rugby Stadium when I first saw her, and I was like, "That's pretty good. That's like, awesome. Um, that's that's the girl that uh, that I want to spend a bit of time with." And she's the only girl I've ever been with, and we dated all the way through high school. She came across to Australia with me. We got married really young in Australia, and uh, had two beautiful kids. And um, mate, just never a bad word between us. It's just that. I think when you grow up with someone like that, it's uh, it's hard to describe. It's it, it really is. You just you just understand each other perfectly. And uh, it was it was three years ago, four years ago. Now she just finished uh, another half marathon again. Genetics freak, just could do that sort of stuff. And for about a year, she had um, 
she'd had stomach problems and she's gone to the doctor multiple times and had been diagnosed as everything from IBS to all sorts of other stuff and every test in the world to get it done. Anyway, she, I came back after about a year um, and she's crumpled up on the floor and she's meant to be running the Gold Coast full marathon in two days' time. And she, she's a tough cookie. Like she was a tough nut. And uh, the doctor had said that she had a... Um, Something wrong with the hip. Mm-hmm. So they sent her to the physio. The physio had done some work and something happened and she was in excruciating pain. So I took her down to emergency. They did more tests and they find an ulcer on her, on her ovary. So she had a surgery that day for, for an ulcer. Um, we were meant to be running. We ended up doing half marathon together the next day. And I said, look, I'll, wow. I'll, still, I'll still run it because like, this little tugboat had trained a fair bit. And <laughs> trust me, I had to get that out. So I, I ran the half marathon and that night I was in bed and she phoned me and I kept it on just to make sure. Obviously, went to go see her after surgery and she was fine, you know, yep. chippy and all the rest of it. And she phoned me at midnight and said, um, something's gone wrong. Um, there's feces coming out of the surgery hole. Uh, and they're rushing me into emergency surgery. They don't know what it is, but it's a problem. I have to come down there. So uh, we rushed down there, uh, got down there, and the doctor came out and see, to see me and said, look, uh, her basically her colon and her stomach is just perforated. They don't know if it's a, a surgical thing, but it's basically leaked. They don't know if she's going to live through this thing. Anyway, she was in a coma. She was in a coma for three days, and you have to open you up and, and clean you out. There's, there's a fair bit of mess in there, as you can imagine. And uh, she had all the scars, came out of surgery, so came out of the coma, survived this because they said septicemia was a huge problem that had set, that had set in. And uh, as she got out of surgery, they said uh, the reason her stomach had perforated was she had bowel cancer and it was stage four and pretty much spread mm. everywhere. And her stomach had, uh, yeah, just collapsed. Just pure coincidence she was at hospital at that time. It was nothing to do with the actual surgeon at all. Anyway, she, she went straight onto chemo. She fought it for six months, uh, did an incredible job. I can... Honestly, tell you, hand on heart, did not cry once, not complain once at, at all. Like, just freak of a human being. Freak, freak, freak. She had, the, she had, she had a, a colostomy bag the whole time. Uh, we went to Hawaii. She surfed in Hawaii. She just did all the all the normal sort of stuff. Like, just chemoed all the way through. It wasn't a drama. February, we went back to the doctor and they said, uh, look, uh, looks like it's all gone. She looks like she's got all clear. So we'll monitor it over the next sort of six months because you're not in remission until it's gone for about three years. And uh, I mean, we're over the moon. We threw the parties, all the rest of it, as you do. You know, yeah. I've just survived stage four cancer. Anyway, we went back three months later to do the test, did the test, went back in for the results, and the doctor just said, it's everywhere. You, you're not going to survive this. Um, and that was one of two times I saw her cry. Um, that was it. You know, it was the usual. She's not going to see her kids finish high school. She's not going to see all the rest of it. And they, they said it'll take 18 months, um, probably to get her, the way, the, the way it got her. But it ended up taking uh, eight months. And... Um, yeah, we lost her in, in March this year. Mate, that's um that's devastating. Yeah. That's uh that's um I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just and and I, I know that story and I'm still don't know what to say. Yeah, it it um you know, one of the one of the reasons is, you know, as I reached out to you, especially about getting on here was she she was very much like me, not on social media. She was under the radar. Uh, you, you've met Sandy, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, nobody disliked her. Um, she just was. I always thought she could have done better, but you oh, know, I, mate. Didn't, I didn't want to be rude at the time. Don't, don't you worry. <coughs> yeah. I, I made sure I locked her down at every stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, got engaged before she realized, got married before she realized, and knocked her up before yeah. she realized yeah. what, what she was sleeping with. But for some reason, she was infatuated. And she's, she was a sick girl for that, from that perspective. I, I knew how much I was batting above my, my weight on that. But, um, you know, she, she just was universally loved by everyone. by everyone it was was incredible and uh the strength that she sh- she showed through was 
yeah was was amazing and as i said she, so she wasn't in the media she didn't want to be in the media to just she was all, and she was always happy to celebrate everyone else's win that was just her personality making fuss about everyone else and hated it about herself but she then took it upon herself when she got this diagnosis to to really um start things like um getting on podcasts and and instagram videos and all the rest of it not knowing how to do it just to i guess raise awareness of of bowel cancer because it is a terrible disease. It is. Like, like all cancers are shit. There's no ranking of which one's the worst disease. I just want to state that out there. I think anyone that does that's sick. Um, but bowel cancer is particular, particularly shit from a young person's perspective because people don't test for it. And the, the usual test is when you're 50. 50, that's when yeah, you, go, you get the kit sent. You get the kit sent, right? In fact, if, it's, if you're younger than 50, you have to pay for it. People don't even think about it. She was 39 years old, um, fit, healthy, um, just running marathons, running marathons, yeah. gym. I mean, she was a freak. Um, and 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 went to the doctor. You know, they looked for things, and they, they didn't even think about this. So she wanted to spend, I guess, her last six months on this planet, uh, just letting people know, like, just go get the tests. And you know, we've had. Lauren obviously used her her profile and Barry used his profile to raise awareness. And I can tell you four, maybe five people that have sent us messages to say they've had the test, uh, it came back as something's wrong, they've had surgery and they caught it at stage one or stage two, which you catch bowel cancer early, you're good. Like it's one of those do, yeah. really good ones you can yeah. do some stuff with. But because you catch it so late, you, it's just a tough, tough fight and uh, it's tough for everyone involved. And, you know, she was... Um, yeah, that said, I saw her cry twice. One was when they told her the first time, and uh, that was a real shock. And the second time was uh, when we went to the hospital for the last time. Uh, she just had was just one tear. Or, I mean, you can see I got goosebumps mm. on it. She just said that um, she's had enough now. She'd had six surgeries, um, four or five rounds of chemo, and you know the weight was just dropping off, and it was just consistent pain. She was, I think, she she was living for me. She was living for the kids. She wasn't living for her because yeah. she was in too much pain. You know, and she just said, look no matter what the results are from this last test um that'll be it um and but to have to tell me i guess uh that that's it that that that's the second time she cried and that was that was about it mate that's a um amazing an amazing human yeah she was mate. why we're here like and for those people out there that you know a lot of us haven't suffered like that that's suffering like i'm just i'm gonna use that word if that's yep. okay to use i hope you don't mind me using that word how did you change from being a CEO driving a worldwide concept to now I've got two kids, I'm a dad, I'm a mum. Uh, mate, the, the truth, it's, I, I never saw myself as that worldwide CEO. I saw okay. myself as a dad and your husband. Yep. Um, but you know what it's like. Things just things happen around you. You know, I've I don't want to be in the media. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't I don't I've never had that vice about me. It's um, I actually don't like any sort of vice been made so the, the the change if you want to call it that wasn't big for me to become that single parent at all you know it was it's i'd always taken my family first and, and that was whether it be parents it be brothers my wife my kids that's that's who i am the the other side is just things you know it's people talk about what's it like to build up this baby that was cougar or the this baby that was blk and what's it like to lose that it's just things like it, for me it's always just been things you know it, it it meant something at the time but in in actual reality you know we go around once and the important things in life are are those family are those friends and those relationships the rest of it we can just anyone can make a dollar if they really want to um but to build up those genuine feelings and relationships it wasn't wasn't hard to make that that change because there was no change to be made Man, I love that. I truly, truly love that. And for all you young people out there that are driven by the wrong reasons, you need to sit back and have a good listen to some of the why here because it's it's those things that dictate how you are for the rest of your life. And mate, um, if we want to know more about bowel cancer and and where where do we go? 
Like Balkans of Australia, it's the best yeah. place to go. Yeah. Um, like it's just get tested. Uh, you in your twenties, you in your thirties, just get a test. It's 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 an ordinary test. I'm not gonna lie to you. You, you got to go have a shit and get it tested and put it in the fridge for a day. Yeah. Well, no, mate, that's you. you I don't know who told you that. <laughs> oh, but shouldn't it be in the fridge? There is. Uh, I'm not eating at your house ever, <laughs> ever again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's an ordinary thing. But the I can tell you when uh, when your wife's 24 kilograms and dying in your arms, uh, it's a pretty easy thing to get done. Yeah, and so true. Words just, never better said. Just get it done, mate. Yeah. Keep mind this year just quietly. Good man. But I'm in that 50, they want me to do it category. And, and you were saying that earlier that we, we don't talk about it under 50. That's a, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Just doesn't happen. Yeah. Just doesn't happen. In fact, the, you know, the doctors almost still couldn't believe it. You told the nurses what she had you know, the, during the chemo. Everyone just takes it. It's not a while. But it's actually becoming it's actually becoming now uh, a lot more prevalent in younger people. So Braille Cancer Australia is making quite a big push to say, hey, probably the, the, the government's a little bit or the medical board or whatever it is, a little bit outdated with this, start getting tested earlier and, and look for those symptoms. And it's got to do with diet, mate. You, you know, you, you, guys are the, you guys are the experts in, in supplements and nutrition. You know where the world's gone in terms of um, artificial shit that they put into things. Mate, that's going into bodies from young ages these days and it's going to have I mean, a detrimental multiple effect. Multiple times a day too. Multiple yeah. times. It's going to have detrimental effects on you somewhere, right? Mm. Sometimes genes just get you, but just be on the lookout for that it's one. thing too, mate. The gut, like as advanced as we are in, in medicine, we still don't get the gut. The mate, gut is an amazing, incredible Well, there's how much, how much debate right now around what's driving you. Is it the gut? Or is it the brain? Yeah. You know, they, they talk about it as the second brain. Yep. Um, you know, the, the bacteria and what it's doing in there and keeping that healthy biome is just becoming more and more important. You know, it's, it's yeah. And there's still so much to learn about it. The more the more we think we know, the, we find out the little we actually do know about it. So it's uh, that's why I'm such a supporter of, of stuff that you guys do because I know you always talk about the cleanness and what you're putting into your products and, and what you're trying to get out of it and why you're trying to make a difference. It's not just about um, you know, getting to the gym, pump as many weights as humanly possible and scream and get bigger. It's also about actually creating healthy humans, right? Absolutely, 100% behind that. Mate, It was I could talk to you for hours. It, it's Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up. I'd love to come back and the near future and probably talk about a few things that we talked about before the podcast because <laughs> you know one day soon people need to know Matt, when you uh, <laughs> when, when you're ready when you're ready for the x-rated controversial one yeah. you, you, give, you give me a buzz it's yeah. uh, it's the beauty of being black and white and uh, i'm happy to be the mouthpiece you can just smile on the other side oh man i love it <laughs> look there's not many people that i've met in sport that i've um, really stayed in contact with outside of what we do. there's a lot of commercial people i've spoken to and a lot of coaches who yep. i just love like she love but from that you know you, you, you were an alternative in that space that I'm talking about. And there's not a lot of people that I've met in sport that I'm happy to call a mate. And I um, love what you've done for Australian sport. And I love where you're And you, as I said, you didn't even know, but you changed my tact a few times on the way through and what I was doing. And yeah, I just want to say thanks. Man, yeah, I'm truly humbled. You and uh, I do appreciate it. This uh, does feel like a first date, Ash, but so uh, I think we better stop before we start hugging or something, right? I'm just going to say that beard's good again, like it seriously. <laughs> it is November. Get out there it and is. donate in November, kids. But absolutely, go and get a bowel test. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for the opportunity to spread the message, mate. Not a problem, mate, and um, love the family. Thank you.